Episode 531 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Did we miss a week? At least a week? But with pandemic time, it feels like we missed a year and a half. Well, I mean, it is March 179th, so... (laughs) At least... Yeah, I can't get a hold on time anymore at all. (laughs) Well, we are back and there's not a ton of news, actually, considering that it's been two weeks time. I think we are finally in that that summer lull period. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely in that period now. And, you know, with with other things going on in, in the more general news, I think it makes it weird timing for other news like, you know, when they're two straight weeks of presidential nominating conf- uh, conventions going on and you know it's hurricane season like it's just it's a bad time for news so we did find some interesting stuff to chat about though we also got a lot of feedback from you wonderful people sending us email to entertainment20 at the digital media zone.com and richard i think you're gonna kick us off with these is this so that you can change sure. what these people are saying about you? No, I wouldn't do that at all. I wouldn't do that at all. So Carlton wrote in with a couple things, actually. And, and one of them that we're going to cover here, and another one we'll actually talk about later. He says that on the last podcast, you discussed Richard watching the latest X-Men movie, Apocalypse. Except Dark Phoenix is the latest. It's pretty good if you like X-Men, but it's definitely not their best effort. Anyway, hopefully you have something new to watch during the quarantine. This is a great, great reminder. I totally forgot about this. And I think the reason that I forgot about it is that it's not yet available to stream for free. Mm. So So, you only watch X-Men movies if they're free? Well. That's what I'm hearing? I I think (laughs) any more. Like, I stopped buying X-Men movies. I used to buy them all. And I don't anymore. because. You know, they they're on that. Okay, they're okay, but they're not awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And I believe that it'll probably end up. Let me think about this. I forget who owns these. these, Are these Sony films? No, Fox. They're Fox? Yeah. So, hmm. So I wonder if they end up on Disney Plus at some point. Eh. Hopefully they will. Disney Plus for X-Men? Well, yeah, because that's where I believe we watched the last X-Men film. Oh. Because Fox. So, right. Okay. Yeah. That'd be cool. Right. So I'll look out for this. I'll look out for this. I definitely yeah. wanted to see this. The other thing that I loved about this message from Carlton is that he sent us a screenshot of, I don't know if it was his Plex library or something, showing all of the different X-Men movies. And it made me realize that I- I've missed... A few of them, because I, I, I haven't seen Dark Phoenix either. I haven't seen Apocalypse, and at the time, I wasn't sure if I saw. Oh crap! 
Yeah, uh, Days of Future Past. But then I was like, well, maybe I did. So I opened up my Google Play Movies app and I own it. So I probably have seen it. But I <laughs> can't remember that movie at all. I, I did ask Jen. So, so we did this crazy Marvel movie marathon. Will you do an X-Men movie marathon with me? And she said, not with how violent you said it is. And I said, no, 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 no. It was Logan that was crazy violent. The rest of these aren't going to be like Logan. And and I'm just talking like first class and newer. I'm still not sure that I've got her convinced. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if I liked, I think I did like that one. Uh, the um, Days of Future Past. I think I did like it. All right. Well, so we also have another X-Men themed message from Robert. And Robert says, and I'm not going to do the voice justice, so I'm not going to try. But <laughs> he says, hey, guys, I understand everyone has their own opinions and is entitled to like what they like. But, and that's in all caps, followed by a period. I was listening to the end of episode 530, and I heard Richard say that X-Men Origins Wolverine was a better story than Logan and had to offer a short rebuttal. Short? This isn't short. This is not short. And, and, the, and, and this is in an angry rant voice tag. So in his angry rant voice, he says, X-Men Origins Wolverine, a movie currently sitting at 37% Rotten Tomato score, a movie absolutely filled with cliches and plot holes, a movie that maintains almost no continuity with the universe it's supposed to exist in, a movie that completely and utterly misinterprets the character of Deadpool as opposed to Logan, which is sitting at a 93 Rotten Tomato score has characters that develop, characters that show relatable motivations, and have to face actual consequences for their actions. He takes a breath. Your recommendations in the past have brought me lots of fun times. In fact, just finished up Kim's, Kim's Convenience and can't wait for season five. And I'm going to chalk this obviously misguided statement up to a one-time <laughs> lapse in judgment and not hold it against you. But Come on. That's like me saying that Nick Cage's Wicker Man was the best version of the film or that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the high point up for Indiana Jones. Both just as absurd as your statement. End of the angry rant voice tag. In truth, love the show, guys. And it's always fun to hear opinions that really go against the grain. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's not just you. I. I I mean, how many times have I talked about how great Fast and the Furious movies are? Yeah, well, that's true, too. That's true. I, hey, you know, I'm going to stick by it. I liked those films. I did. And, uh, you know, I, I just I think maybe part of the problem with Logan is that there was just so much hype about it. It got so much attention. People were just raving about it, raving about it. And it was kind of like, I think, um, uh, what was the what was the final <laughs> oh no, that was brilliant. Are you kidding me? That was brilliant. No. Oh, that was overrated too. Oh no, that was brilliant. Uh, uh any of the I, Batman I, movies. I well, okay, <laughs> I might give you that. I was gonna say it was kind of like the the final I I forget the name of it, but the final Avengers film that just you know got all kinds of amazing reviews. People were loving it. They were calling it, you know, potentially the picture of the year. Come on. It's a Marvel film. How? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. It was good. I really liked it. But I mean, 
best film of the year? No. I love that they killed off my least favorite Avenger. Uh, I'm just doing everything I possibly can to get people to stop listening to the podcast. Spoilers. Okay. Geez. Anyway, spoiler. People don't know who my least favorite Avenger is. Okay. This is true. So, uh, Hey, yeah. Um, I appreciate everybody's opinions. I did of course hate crystal skull because what am I a heathen? (laughs) Right. Okay. So last message, and this one is from Tim. It's been a long time since we've heard from Tim, and Tim is actually further behind on his podcast listening than even Richard, which is saying something. That dude just needs to take a vacation and listen to some podcasts, apparently. Still two weeks. I'm still two weeks behind. Well, he's in June, so you've definitely got him. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost September. So anyway, Tim... uh, Tim first started off by saying that he uses Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and cable through Windows Media Center, and they're considering Crunchyroll for his large families. You know, he's still got kids living at home and stuff like that. Uh, and his whole message is really talking about the usage of those services and, and his experience with it, especially during these crazy pandemic times. So he says, my biggest complaint with all of these services is the security aspect. I've spent years teaching my family about good password and account practices. So sharing accounts seems counterintuitive to all of us. The days of sub accounts, I used to have them for Netflix before they moved to profiles, seemed like a better solution to me. Also, the constant repetitive ads has given me a long list of products that I will never use because of my association with their ads. I've been a spoiled media center user for too long, so commercials outside of the Super Bowl is a foreign concept to me. And the services that show ads even after you pay are a no-go. Why pay if you still have to watch ads? This is where I'd like to remind him that he pays for cable TV, which has tons and tons of ads. But I get it. His media center is removing those commercials as long as he's not watching it live. Right. Uh, He says, I would love to switch to a platform that does a good job of aggregating all of this in a single unified interface, but all of the platforms I've seen, like Apple and Google TV and Roku, seem to be doing it in a way that seems to be more of a money grab uh, to direct me to to services that they have partnerships with and less for the benefit of the consumer experience. So, I mean, he's really got a couple of complaints there. One is the security thing. I don't think there's really much anybody can do about that except for maybe using uh, like uh, password managers that allow account sharing and stuff through that because then you can at least still use secure passwords and stuff like that. I would definitely look at an option like that. And I'm betting Tim is using a password manager. If he's someone who actually cares about password security, he's probably using a password manager. So I think that's your only real option on that side. But and the ads, the, the ads are the ads. So we kind of already talked about that. But well, and it, but I would before we get off of security. I mean, I think one of the frustrating things with security on these devices is you do have to get used to this new paradigm of a family account for something, which is a new way of thinking about stuff like that. You usually think, okay, I have my own account and maybe they're associated with other accounts. So, so that is different. And then the idea of having a complex password, as I've discussed many times, makes that online revalidation experience just 
such a hassle. But in the main services that he's talking about, that's not really an issue. Like Hulu and Netflix are not forcing you to log in every two weeks. Thankfully. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely like, and And please, everybody else, take a lesson from that. Right? The two Chill out. most popular services out there don't log customers out because it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what, do, you, what do you think here? for a unified aggregating platform. I think it's actually funny that he doesn't mention what I think is the worst offender of the money grab uh, problem, and that's Amazon. I mean, Amazon's platform is clearly directed at getting you to get content from Amazon. Actually, I think that Amazon TV and Google TV are a bit better at that. I think they're a little bit better at the aggregation. Now, I haven't seen what Google TV has has planned for their new content-focused presentation of things. I think that right now it's very channel-oriented or or app-oriented rather. Mm-hmm. What I, I what I will say is that I think Apple TV has done a good job of pulling together all the things. And Apple TV isn't really just trying to get you toward people they've partnered with based on the way they set up their partner agreements they they can only get you to the stuff that they've partnered with because if a company like Netflix decides yeah you know what we're not going to let you search for our content outside of our application then they don't qualify to be in Apple TV's experience and frankly i think that's the right decision for Apple to make there Apple wants to make sure that they treat everybody there the same Right. And Netflix doesn't want to play. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think you're right. There isn't an ideal solution yet. I had hoped that maybe TiVo Stream would end up being that, but it's turned out to be a little bit disappointing and hasn't lived up to the promise that that they had originally, I guess, I, the impression <laughs> that they had left us with in terms of what that would be like. So I think we're still, I think we're still in, in an evolving state and it will get better, but it's still a mess now. Yeah. And the, the TiVo stream is the one that I was thinking about too. And depending on your services, it's a pretty decent solution, but definitely not for all of them, not even all of the big ones. Like I mean, like, for example, I, I did fire up my TiVo stream the other day. I wanted to see if it had the new updates that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago with, like, the the rotating uh, featured content suggestions at the top of the home screen. TiVo stream has it. NVIDIA Shield TV does not have it, by the way, which I think is kind of a win, frankly, for the NVIDIA Shield. Uh, so so I, I was using that, and I wanted to see if maybe they had made any other big changes and stuff. And I noticed, I think this is at least new from launch, because I haven't used it that frequently since launch. But now the Amazon Prime shows, like they, they've they got integration there where you can go all the way down to the specific episode that you want to watch inside of that TiVo app, which is nice, but you don't get the full experience. Like you don't even get cover art for the episode. It's something that looks like it would be cover art, but it just says season one, episode three and like no descriptions of anything. So it's not great. It's really not great. It's not, it's not even all that good. So yeah, I, I, I think Apple TV, like you said, is probably the best bet here. But you've really got to be living in that Apple ecosystem. And 
like you said, even Netflix, not there. Yeah, very, very frustrating. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into our stories. But of course, if you have feedback or questions or just updates about what's going on in your entertainment center, you can send them to us at entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. We're going to start this video segment with something that may shock people. I now have CBS All Access. (laughs) What? I know. And I am going to blame a journalist that we reference pretty frequently here, Jared Newman over at TechHive, wrote about a new feature that Apple TV is offering. If you have Apple TV Plus, that's their $5 a month thing that if you bought an Apple device, you get it for free for a year. Apple TV Plus customers can get Showtime and CBS All Access as a bundle for $10 a month. Isn't just Showtime 15 a month? It's $11, okay. 11 a month. So <laughs> it's cheap. It's $10.99. So it's cheaper than just getting Showtime, <laughs> right? <laughs> which I subscribe to periodically because I like the shows that are on it. Yeah. So this is kind of a no-brainer for me. And as a result, I'm getting CBS All Access, which is going to be showing the new Star Trek stuff that's coming out. It is showing a new series already, Lower Decks, and they're getting more and more content. It's becoming a more viable product, if you will. And it is going to be rebranded in the future. It's going to include a whole lot more content than it does already. So I'm excited about this. I think this is a really good deal. And now you don't just think that you have to have an Apple TV to get in on this. Because remember that the Apple TV app is available on Roku, on Fire TV, on LG and Samsung TVs. And if you have any Apple device that you just bought in the last year, you get this free year of service of Apple TV Plus. And if you have Apple TV Plus, then you're eligible for this deal. And you can watch it on all those devices through Apple TV. It's really cool. I'm I'm excited about this. I think this is a good deal. Yeah, and and it, it does mean that if all you really care about is Showtime and CBS All Access, that it's actually $15 a month, but that's still a good deal. Well, but it's, yes, okay, because you, Apple TV Plus is cut, right, exactly. Yeah. So it it is cheaper. And by the way, it is the commercial-free version of CBS All Access. So you're getting the $10 a month version of CBS All Access with okay. this. So, th- so this stuff would normally cost you $22. Like about $21. Yeah, $21. Yeah. Wow. I see. Seriously, that $11 is really throwing me off. Yeah. Yeah. Who charges $11? That's so weird. $10.99. That's weird. It's a weird price. Well, it's because it's, remember, the whole strategy with Uncle Les was that their content was more valuable than everyone else's. So it's more valuable than the $10 services. But less valuable than HBO. Well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... This is an awesome deal. It's it's a good bundle. I, I do want to point out that it's not the first good bundle that we've seen in, in streaming video and services for cord cutters. No, that's true. And I, I he does touch on that. So, of course, okay, we have the Disney that, Plus bundle. Right. With Hulu and ESPN Plus is awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's another good deal. For $13 a month, you get that Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN, and you're saving over 5 bucks a month on that. So that's a good deal. Yeah. Now, those ones do include the commercial versions. Like you, you still have yes. to watch ads. But, so yeah, it's but, definitely you know, same. even, I mean, the Hulu ads aren't, well, I guess the Hulu ads are pretty bad because they're repetitive. They're very repetitive. Mm. Mm. Oh, well. Okay, uh, moving on. So we talk, we talk about MB every once in a while, not as much as we talk about Plex because neither one of us is an MB user. So we don't have that personal experience with it. But you know that I am a Mac user. And so it caught my attention that MB is now available in the Mac App Store. So you can get the MB Player, which can run as a full screen app, and, and you can use a Mac as a you know home theater PC, or you can just watch stuff on your Mac the same way that you can have a Plex app on your Mac. Putting in the App Store is a really interesting move. I like getting apps from the App Store because it makes the whole maintenance thing invisible. Unlike Microsoft, which insists on throwing their obnoxious updater app up and requiring me to close it when it's done anytime there are updates to deal with. What But that's not true for things in the store. In in what store? In, in the in the Windows store. No, true. True. But but Microsoft Office, for example. Oh, sure, sure, sure. If you yeah. have Microsoft Office, you get that awful Microsoft updater. Yes. At least once a week. If you have Edge, for a while it seemed like you were getting it every fringle, every uh single day. So it it's it's I find it annoying. I find it in, invasive. What I like about stuff out of the App Store is that it's invisible. They just handle the updates for you behind the scenes and you don't have to deal with anything. And I think that's a great benefit. Of course, the Apple Store charges a fee to any developer that has an app in there. So keep that in mind. The MB Premier service is available in this version of MB that you can get from the Mac Store, but it's going to cost you $7 a month in an in-app subscription instead of the normal $5 a month if you were to just go on their website and sign up for the subscription there, which you can still do. That's interesting. So they're basically saying to customers, we're going to charge you more. And by the way, this is 40% more. It's not 30% more because you have to have even numbers for your uh, for your uh, app price in what? these apps. Yeah, in the app store, it has to be an even number. It has to be 99, $199, $299, $399, $399. You know, it, it, it cannot be like $357 or something, right? It, it has to, anyway, that's part of doing business with Apple. So you're going to pay extra for that. So my recommendation would be don't do that. Get the subscription that you would normally get. Just get it through their site normally. Now, I'm, I'm really trying to avoid going into a rant here. Because I don't like that software development companies are penalizing customers for a fee associated with listing, maintaining, storing, and delivering your app. If you want to hear how I feel about that, I'll talk later about where you can hear my thoughts on that. Okay. Are you familiar with the, the Fortnite saga that's going on right now? 
I'll talk with you later about where you can hear my thoughts on okay, that. Okay, because this is the exact same sort of situation. It exactly is. And I'm a hardliner on it. Okay. Yeah, I... I I'm not surprising. My answer is, shut up and pay. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> not really all that surprised. Uh, and that that has been, like, the big tech news story, especially in the gaming uh, side uh, over the last couple of weeks. and. I, I just could not bring myself to put that in this podcast. I I just like it's it's two of the richest people on the planet complaining that they don't have enough money, and I just don't it, have time for it right it, now. Right. <laughs> so I, I no use really waiting for this. I was on in a few minutes again this week, all week long, and the thing that we spoke about on Monday. This is Ken Ray's after show. It's available as a podcast to download. The thing that we spoke about on Monday was the whole Epic Games, the back and forth, the screwing around with the in-app purchases, and then trolling the company that you're taking to court. I mean, it's just, it's so, so messy. Oh yeah, super messy. But it does make me wonder how much longer MB is going to be allowed to do this. Because they're doing the exact same thing that Epic did with Fortnite. Mm, I... That it's coming at it from the opposite direction, but Fortnite was saying you get more if you pay us directly, and Apple just said, "Oh no, you ain't," and removed them. Right. This is not you get more. This follows the rules of we have a an entertainment app that's delivering content. You can use it for free, or you can use it with a premium service that you can either buy through the app itself through our store. Or you can buy independently. They're the same. It's the same service. It's oh, the yeah. same stuff. You get the same thing. Yeah. But and and I don't know Apple's app store policies well enough to know if if this is okay. But it it feels very similar. Maybe it's not exactly the same thing, but it feels very similar. And it's being done for the exact same reason. So that the developer doesn't lose as much of, of their money on it. Right. Cost of doing business. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. So let's move on to okay. a, a service that I am positive neither of us subscribe to. Crunchyroll. Do you subscribe yeah, to Crunchyroll? Yeah, I don't nope. think so. You're not, you're not an anime fan? Nope. Yeah, me neither. No, nothing wrong with anime. Just not something I'm personally into. So Crunchyroll for a while, I mean, maybe forever, has been the go-to service for anime content and i guess manga comics i honestly have never even been to the site because i don't care that much for for anime uh, their website feels like it's right out of like 2006 yikes uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not great so they've they are basically the netflix for anime you pay a monthly subscription they do have an ad supported version uh but if if you want an ad free version it's 8 bucks a month you get access to the entire library, but you only get one stream at a time, and it's just this very basic, bare bones subscription service. Their their news is they're they're now offering a couple of higher tiered plans. So their their base level tier is called fan. So you're a fan of anime, so you sign up for that. The next tier up is mega fan. It's it's only two dollars more a month. It's it's ten dollars a month. You get two extra. Well, you get three extra benefits. 
two normal-ish ones. One is you get four concurrent streams instead of one. So that's good. And you get offline playback. You can download the videos to your tablets and all that stuff. And Oh, that's and, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's kind of table stakes at this point for streaming services, right? I mean, Disney Plus launched with it. Uh, I, I mean, Hulu was super late to the game and not adding it until last year, I think. But right. uh, I think Peacock launched, like everybody's launching with it now. So it, it's good. It's kind of crazy that Crunchyroll didn't have it already, but now they've got a reason to add it to their to their higher tiers. The next tier up in, in the top tier is called Ultimate Fan. And it's $15 a month. So another five bucks. You get six streams. So you've got all sorts of people in your house watching this and the the offline playback. Now, the thing that's different for from like every other service that I've ever heard of is Crunchyroll also has a store, an online store where you can buy anime related things. And it probably does pretty well. When you sign up for either of these two upper tier plans, you get basically a coupon that you can use in their store. So with with the $10 a month plan, every three months, you get a $15 off coupon for an order over 100 bucks. And if you're in the $15 a month plan, you get a $25 off an order of $100 coupon every three months. And you get a yearly swag bag. I have no idea what's in the swag bag, but this is really different like i've not seen a streaming service do this sort of subscription bundle before and maybe the coupon isn't that big of a deal but you know if you're buying a bunch of comics from their store and maybe this is the only good place to get these comics then maybe that's a a really nice added benefit like if this was Hmm. a netflix store like i'm not gonna buy anything netflix related like my daughter would it into Stranger Things, but I'm not. Gonna I was going to say, why not Stranger Things shirt? I don't know, like. Why not Stranger Things stuff is hot. They had Stranger Things Coca Cola last summer. They have a Stranger Things um, upside down Lego set. I mean, there's <laughs> there's all kinds of cool Stranger Things merch. As you're talking about this, I'm like, why hasn't Netflix done this? <laughs> okay. Uh, apparently that just that aspect of this also isn't for me (laughs) (laughs) i I don't i don't think i think in my entire life i've only purchased one thing that was tv related merchandise Mm. and that was a tv uh, uh, a t-shirt for jen for the show heroes I didn't even know they made them. You're telling me well no you're too young i was gonna say you didn't have a mork from work t-shirt as a kid nope I, of course, did. Nope, nope, nope. Hmm. All right. Um, I just think that 15 bucks a month is pretty pricey for a, a, a very, very specific genre service. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I, I got to imagine they're not going to get a whole lot of people in the ultimate fan level, but but that $10 a month, that, that middle tier, it's always the middle tier, right? I mean, that's where everybody goes. Everybody goes to the middle tier of everything. So, and, and that middle tier for $2 extra, more streams, offline viewing, and a coupon seems like a pretty good deal. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the exception would be is if maybe you found out later or maybe later that they rolled out an update so that Ultimate Fan Service got 4K streams and yeah. maybe Dolby Atmos and other, you know, that's how Netflix got me to get their highest price tier was I wanted the highest quality video and multiple streams. Right, right. Yeah, that, that would be the way to do it. All right, next video story. This one was a tip from Carlton. It, it was about the latest release of Channels. Channels is a, it's a, it's a DVR app, really, for that started as an app, like exclusively in the Apple ecosystem, where it was an app that would allow you to use the HD Home Run Tuner on iOS and, and Apple TV OS, it's TV OS uh, devices. It's now spread out. You can get channels on uh, Android TV and Fire TV, but it, 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 its heart is in Apple. Um, this, this new Channels 4.0 app, and again, it's, it's more than just a, a TV tuner client. Like It is a full-blown DVR software. They're making it, frankly, look a lot more like Plex, I think, here. So the, the big changes... A lot of UI stuff. They've made their side navigation bar customizable. So if you're familiar with Plex, it's very similar looking to that, where you can set up different like library sections and things like that in the side Hopefully menu bar. Way easier to actually customize. <laughs> probably, probably. So they've done that. They've also made new dedicated library sections for movies and TV shows. And those are filterable by genre, new releases, and things like that. That, when you think of this as a Plex competitor, may seem weird, but when you know what you're, what's actually in here is your recorded stuff from TV, like that. It, it makes sense that maybe there wasn't initially a separate movies library right. section, right? Maybe not recording a lot of movies from TV. They've also added a kids section. I think this is a pretty big deal. It's basically just a whole separate library section, and you get to choose what shows and movies show up in there. And you can say, uh, maybe My Little Pony shows up in the regular library and the kids' library, but I'm struggling to come up with other kids' shows. Because <laughs> my my little kid only watches YouTube. Uh, Dora? Dora, Is that sure. A thing? There you go, Dora. Dora only shows up in the kids section. So th that's nice because you can just get all of that kids crap that you don't care about out of the main libraries and, and not have to worry about it while at the same time making it really easy for your kids to find their stuff. The other thing that I think they did, which is really smart, is like they don't have a bazillion different filters and, and sorting mechanisms and all that stuff on the kids side because kids wouldn't use it. Instead, smart. they also... Don't have it in alphabetical order. They did what's way smarter and realized kids just watch the same crap over and over again. So let's just sort it by recently watched. I, that I is think it's really smart. Isn't it so smart? <laughs> it's really smart. <laughs> so smart. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, and then they are changing up the recordings section. You know, I think if you just had a cable DVR, the, the DVR button. It's just a simple list now, ordered by uh, the the recording date with the most recent stuff on top. Makes sense. They've added autoplay, so it, you know if you're a Netflix binger or Amazon Prime or most of these other streaming services, 
you get to the end of an episode and it just automatically plays the next one. Channels will do that with your DVR content now. That's awesome to see in a DVR. They've also added Shuffle. I don't understand Shuffle for video no. content. No. Like, I, I intentionally didn't put it in the news tonight that Netflix is adding that because I don't understand it. It's for people who are incapable of making decisions. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I, I think it's for people who just want anything on. But I don't know. Just pick British Cooking Bake Off Challenge or whatever the heck that show is called. <laughs> Hit over a few times and click play and then let it go. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? If you don't care, then why do you care? Like, just... Pick the most recently played thing and go. I don't know. Whatever. So that's latest update to channels. I've only ever heard really good things about channels. And this is a pretty big update where the stuff in, in version 4.0 of channels. You yeah, it's good. use it, do you? Well, I have it on my tablet. I don't have it on t- the TV because there is, I believe, it might be a subscription fee I to think be so. able to use it. And, and I, you know, me and subscriptions and there might be a lifetime fee, but I wouldn't use it enough to make it worth paying that. So no, I I don't really use it. Um, so I I just looked it up. Yeah. It's $8 a month or $80 a year. Or if you just want it on a single platform, iOS is free. Apple TV, Android, and Fire TV are all $25. So you could pay 25 bucks for your Apple TV and just be done. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it seems like a good deal. All right, we're going to move on to some audio news. And normally audio news means music, but uh, this is rather fitting with, with what's been going on in my entertainment center lately. We're actually going to talk about audiobooks because Audible, like basically the service for audiobooks, I, I can't even think of another audiobook service out there, is changing up the way their subscription plan works. I honestly never fully understood how Audible worked. I saw the price and was like, I'm not paying $15 a month for audiobooks. Right. That ain't happening. Right. Maybe I'm not the only one who felt that way because they are adding a new plan and they're changing the names of the the old plan to, to go along with this. So new plan is called Audible Plus. It is $7.95 a month, and it includes access to the Audible Plus catalog, which has over 11,000 titles. It's over 60,000 hours of content. It's mostly audiobooks, but it's got podcasts. It's got some Audible originals because they've got their own exclusive content, of course. And then the, the old service is effectively just getting renamed to Audible Premium Plus. And also Plus? Well, the basic service is called plus right so what's so they're both plus <laughs> right i mean what the is there just an audible anymore i i guess not no hmm. no weird <sighs> yeah it, it's confusing like i i still think their marketing around this is, is confusing still way too confusing so the old system used to to work where you would pay the the 14.95 a month guess you would get access to a library of stuff, although I I didn't know that. Um, but then you would also get a token that you could use to effectively buy a book that you could own forever. And if you were an Amazon Prime subscriber, 
you'd actually get two tokens every month. The kind of sucky change here is the Audible Premium Plus, they're like everybody just gets one book a month, even if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. Hmm. So you're you're losing out on on a free book, which is kind I of wonder lame. if maybe they're going to have an Audible service that you get for free with Prime now. And it's going to be a limited catalog of stuff, kind of like their music service. Hmm. That's the only way that this makes sense to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I think this makes pretty decent sense. You've got the Netflix of books for eight bucks a month, and you've got Netflix of books plus keep one forever for $15 a month. Right. But it, the bringing it down from two to one is what's confusing me here, particularly at that price of $15. That's a hefty price. I stopped my Audible dis- prescri- uh, prescription. Yeah. <laughs> my doctor said, no, um, <laughs> I, I stopped my subscription because I wasn't able to listen to anywhere near that many books, given that I listen to podcasts as much. So I, I don't know. I have a hard time with this. I'm interested in this new model. I don't necessarily need to own the books. I'm fine with that. I'm normally getting mine from the library anyway, so I don't own them. But because of it being the library, it means that I oftentimes have to wait and wait a really long time. Like the book that I'm listening to right now, I put on hold in December. Right. So that would be nice. But the other part of this that's always really confused me and still confuses me is I don't know what's in the catalog. The service doesn't actually go live until tomorrow. At least the new version doesn't go live until uh, August 27th, which is the day after we're recording this. So maybe next week I'll have some some firsthand experience with all of this. But when you go to Amazon and look at a book and they give you 47 different options because it's paperback and hardback cover and Audible and uh, Kindle, and you know, it's like all of these different options. And every time you click Kindle, they're like, hey, subscribe to Kindle and you can have this for free forever. Well, I don't necessarily want to do that. Can you just tell me how much just buying it would cost? Right. And I don't know of an easy way of finding out, like, if I go to a book that I'm interested in, are they going to make it easy for me to know this is an Audible Plus book? If you pay a $7.95 a month, you could be listening to this. Hmm. That's what I need to know. And if they make that super easy to figure out and I start seeing a lot of the books that I'm interested in show up in there. I might sign up. I mean, we're already, gosh, it feels like we're sending all of our money to Amazon. We kind of are because we have packages showing up on our porch practically daily. Right. We do use the Amazon video streaming and we're Kindle Unlimited subscribers. The the Mm -hmm. only other service that we're not paying for is the music one because we have Spotify. So uh, just keep sending Jeff Bezos money, I guess, is what we're going to end up doing. So I, I, I like this idea. I, I'm very interested in it. Would it bring you back to Audible, the, the lower cost entry? No, because I like to have, I like to own. Mm. Who knows when I'm going to actually have time to listen to it. So when I've had titles, I even download them just in case they happen to not you in the library at a later time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. So 
this is a topic that I could probably talk about for a while, but I'm going to try not to because we're already running a little bit late here. So, but as as we move into gaming, I, I want to talk a little bit about these next gen consoles. I didn't get a chance to see if I could look back at and to see if we even wrote down some of the predictions we made. Richard, maybe you remember because back in probably May ish time frame when these new consoles were were really getting announced and stuff uh but we still didn't know when when they would launch and how much they would cost we talked about well when are we going to find out when when they can show up in my house and how much it's going to cost me to buy one right. and i think what i said was we have to find out by the end of august like we have to find out by gamescom which is the, the big games conference that normally happens in Cologne, Germany. Gamescom starts tomorrow, tomorrow being August 27th. We still don't know the cost of these things or the actual release dates. I don't remember what you said. I, I think you actually put that date out even further. Yeah, I did. Like maybe September or October or something like that. But um, we still don't know. I really don't think we're going to find out at Gamescom at this point because I think that if we were going to find out at Gamescom, we would have known by now, like Microsoft and Sony would have scheduled events during Gamescom to announce them, and they have not done that. So I don't think it's happening then. So we di- we don't know when. We don't even know like when an event might be to, to have these announcements. And oh yeah, we're in the we're still in the midst of this pandemic that's caused a massive recession. And while lots of people aren't really negatively impacted financially, lots and lots and lots of people are. Right. But, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people have lost their jobs during this pandemic. And actually, it is millions. It's definitely. It, millions. It, I was going to say it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely millions. It's, it's many millions. Yeah. <laughs> And double digit millions. And it does really make me start to wonder if they're going, guys, maybe this just isn't the right time to launch a new game console. And we're seeing more and more of these games get delayed, at least partially due to the the pandemic. Maybe they just decide to to hold on to these things. Like say basically, I mean, they could blame it on the games, really. They could say, you know. Most of the the big games that we wanted you to be able to experience on these new consoles, they're not ready yet. So we're just going to hold off and release them in 2021. That argument wouldn't really fly so well with the Xbox because Microsoft made a big deal about how all of, you know, for the first two years of of the new console's life cycle, all of their games will also be available on uh, Xbox One. So that argument really doesn't work for them. But Mm -hmm. this whole idea of like, Maybe we just shouldn't do this because saying, hey, guys, go and drop five, six hundred bucks on a new console is a bad idea. Hmm. What, what do you think? Didn't Microsoft already say it's going to be in November? Didn't they already commit to November? I, yeah, I mean, they both committed to holiday and, and Microsoft did recently, uh, I guess, commit is an OK word to use to November. They did. And Microsoft also said, we don't have supply chain problems. We will be able to get these to consumers. It won't be an issue. Well, and that's the other thing that I wonder if there have 
been any reports of supply chain concerns. Like, I, I understand your thought that they might be thinking this isn't the best time for people to be spending this kind of money. Man, that seems way more altruistic than I would expect any of these companies to be. And well, then let Sony, me fix that. <laughs> Sony in particular, who's just largely tone deaf. Oh, right, right. Uh, let me fix that. Like, they, they could spin it as altruistic, but I think in actuality, they would be looking at it from the angle of, if we release now, there's a possibility that we sell fewer consoles at, uh, during during the initial launch window this generation than we did last generation. And that sort of thing has never happened before. Uh, it's not happening on my watch. Yeah, except they will have just killed their holiday sales yep. of any console because nobody is going not nobody, but largely people are not going to buy the last generation console on the eve of expecting the new console that was supposed to be out by now. That's just not going to happen. So they would end up, they would be committing themselves to probably the worst holiday quarter they've seen since the recession, if not worse than that. Right. And frankly, despite the recession, by the way, did anybody tell you we are in a recession now? <laughs> despite the recession, despite the pandemic, things like this kind of device will probably sell very well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really the only, that, well, that's the best reason I can think of for them to just go ahead and do it because any sales is still better than no sales. But they're like I'm. I'm hearing a lot of my gamer friends going. Do I really need this right now? Like I've got the money. I've got a job. I'm fine. But do I need this right now? Like there aren't like this this huge wealth of of amazing new next gen experiences that I'm going to get on these machines this quarter. So right. why am I going to drop the money on it right now? And for me, it's like well, because of the loading times. Like that's almost reason enough. <laughs> but, but yeah, so. It's pr it's probably still going to happen, but I am really starting to wonder with how late they are waiting. And I know a huge part of this, you know, we talked about this a while ago. They're just playing chicken. They want to see, they want to force, you know, Sony wants to make Microsoft go first and announce their price so they can undercut them. And the same is true for Microsoft. So that one of them, one of them is going to have the upper hand here on the, the lower priced console. And yep. it's going to be the person who goes last. So we'll... I don't know. So what is the actual drop dead date here? If these things are coming out first or second week of November, when do they have to allow us to start pre-ordering and tell us a cost? It wouldn't surprise me at all if we don't know in October. Until October, I mean. Man, that's just crazy. But yep. Everything is crazy this year, so I guess it fits. <laughs> yep. All Thank right. you, 2020. Yeah. So one one real quick other gaming story here for you all, and that is that there there is a brand new update to the Xbox One X, uh, well Xbox One interface, and it's not a major overhaul, but there's some good stuff here. So they're they're continuing to make some changes to the guide. The guide being the thing that pops out 
when you press the little Xbox button on your controller. They've added some buttons across the bottom as basically quick shortcuts to uh, common things so you can get to the notification section, Game Pass, of course, the store, search, and audio settings. That notification section is also changed. Now, all notifications are together. So you don't have a separate notification section anymore that's just for like, hey, I installed this this game, or hey, uh, your headset's connected, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, or, or hey, this person's online. Now, all notifications, all of those things I just mentioned, plus, you know, your friend just messaged you and, and all of that stuff, all in one place. That makes sense. Dave, here's the cool one that I wasn't expecting, and I've never really needed it, but I can see where it would be beneficial. And that is when you're in a party chat, you're now going to get individual volume sliders per person. So if you've got someone who is way louder than everybody else in your party chat, you can turn them down. Or if you've got someone who's quieter than everybody else, then you can turn everybody down so that they're all kind of quiet and then turn your headset volume up so that you or can hear everybody. Or if you've got someone who's really annoying in the party chat, you can just mute them. Oh, <laughs> right. I think you could actually do that already. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Uh, to which... Most people would be thinking, well, then why are you in a party with them? Trust me, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it does happen. The other thing that they're doing, this is kind of a weird one. Uh, at least it, it'll sound a little bit weird on the surface, but so, you are now going to be able to sign in on multiple devices at the same time. And if you don't have multiple Xboxes, you're like, well, okay. Like, who cares? Like, why is that a big deal? Well, if you have multiple Xboxes, you you can set up a home console. It's called home console. And on that machine, anyone else, if you're logged in, anyone else can put their account on that machine and play the games you own. So like all of your kids can play the games you own. That's how you do game sharing, basically. But if you sign in on another device, you get signed out of the one that, that you were on. Yep. And that's pain. And for me, it's a giant pain because I've got two Xboxes and I like, I get it. That's ridiculous. But I have two Xboxes for the one person who plays Xbox in this house. And I'll, I'll go back and forth sometimes on the TV, sometimes on at, at my desk on the monitor. And, and the problem that I have is that I also have a wireless headset and the wireless headset, when you turn it on, if, if I'm not signed in, it will sign me in. Well, if I go to play on the other Xbox, I want to bring that headset over there. So I turn the headset on and then it turns the other Xbox on and then I have to do the repairing and it signs me out and it's just a giant hassle. That's annoying. But the other thing where this really matters is with the game streaming that's coming in the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription. You have to sign in with your Microsoft account there. And currently, well, prior to this update that just launched, if you were signed into an Xbox and then you grabbed your Android phone to do game streaming, the, the cloud streaming, it would sign you out of your Xbox, which is a super annoying if your family is watching Netflix on your Xbox. Right. Yeah, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. I, it never made sense to me whatsoever. And, and again, it goes back to that idea that on a device like your television, 
The concept of individual user accounts doesn't necessarily make as much sense as a family account. Now, I understand with the idea of gaming, you have your games and that's different. But for other stuff that you're doing on that box, I mean, why? Yeah, it. this makes so much sense. I'm so glad that they've done this. Yeah, yeah. I also, I'm not. Oh, yeah, they actually say this in the title. This experience, the, this UI that we've got on the Xbox One, that's what we're going to have on the Series X. They're going to share UI. And I think that's a good thing, just because you're not going to have to learn a new system. Right. Uh, it'll hopefully also mean that, at least on the Series X, it'll work better. Like, it'll be more performant, because it's never been great on the Xbox One. Ever. So, I debated whether I was going to mention this or not, and I think that it's probably worth mentioning it because of what you just said. So one one of the things that I found really interesting listening to Windows Weekly a, a few weeks ago, Paul mentioned, and I, I did not know this, that the store and other aspects of that user interface have historically, over the last several years, been built in Electron. Electron. So for people who aren't in the development space, who don't understand what that means, that means that these are essentially Chrome applications, web applications running in an instance of Chrome. And the way Electron works is that all of the innards of Chrome are packaged with the, the application and they are inherently not performant. They, they, they're just, they do it. I, I mean, most people really dislike Electron as a platform <laughs> for that very reason. Yeah, 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 they're moving these things, and I think the store was one of the first thing uh, things to change to React Native, which is much lighter weight mm -hmm. and is going to be much more performant on these platforms. So I expect that you're going to see that in addition to the hardware making it faster. Over time, you're going to see the whole experience get better on all of these devices just because they're shedding so much weight. Yeah, but th there really is no excuse that it's taken them seven years to do that. Because <laughs> the Xbox One UI has been slow from day one, and that yeah. was 2013 that it came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I would just like the cursor to always move when I move it. That that would be awesome. <laughs> and not have a delay. That would be so cool. Well, you have unrealistic expectations for modern software, Richard. Clearly. <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to do it for our news tonight. Richard, what is going on in your entertainment center? All right. I already talked about signing up for Showtime and CBS All Access. So I also signed up for a six-month free trial. You know me with a trial hopping. AT&T was offering a six-month free trial of Spotify Premium if you signed up through them. So I have AT&T services. One of the things that they're offering, of course, it only works if you're a new Spotify user. Well, you may remember that one of the reasons that I dropped Spotify was because they insisted on feeding me music that I did not want to listen to. Music in other languages. A lot of Christian rock music that I normally don't listen to, even though I have several artists that I really enjoy. And I just couldn't train it to feed me the kind of music that I wanted. So 
I mean, having to completely drop my old account and start a brand new one is no big deal. All you need is a new email address. So that's what I did. I signed up for a new six-month trial of Spotify Premium. We'll see if I can train it any better this time. I'm, I hope it goes well. Yeah, I I did too. I did too. Although, generally, I mean, I'm happy with Apple Music, but I figured, hey, free six months, give it a try, add it to Sonos, get more. I always did like their, uh, their uh, whatever was like their weekly... Discover, discover weekly the thing that was the things that they thought that i would like based on what i listened to yeah again always liked until they started giving me a whole bunch of songs that i didn't even understand so like, what <laughs> right <laughs> <sighs> all right um i i assume but i don't know for sure i have been watching the conventions both the democratic and republican national conventions have you been watching these josh some uh, I, I was all gung ho to watch all of them because I, I, I want to see what they've all got going on. Right. And so I, I did watch the first couple of nights of the democratic convention. Um, especially since my former governor was speaking at the, the first night of the democratic convention. Um, but man, the week went on last week was a hard week. I was exhausted and didn't end up watching the last two nights of that one. And then I've just had a hard time wanting to watch this week's. <laughs> okay. So you haven't caught any of it or? No, you, I, I actually haven't watched any of this. I, I, I would at least like to see some, at least some of the clips and stuff of some of the, the, the speeches. It sounds like the, the, the Melania Trump uh, speech last night was at least very different from the previous <laughs> night. So yeah. And, and and sounds like it was a pretty interesting speech. So that'd be interesting to see. So, I mean, I, I don't intend to get at all political while yeah. talking about this, but I wanted to watch both of them. And I've committed to watching all of both of them because I really wanted to see what they were doing. Right. This is such an odd situation to be in where normally you would be gathering tens of thousands of people in an arena. Yeah. And you can't do that. And so, you wanted to know, were they going to do this like Apple when they did their developer event? Or were they going right. to do it like Google and their developer event? <laughs> right. Right. So here's here's the Cliff Notes version. For the most part, I would say that the Democratic Party did it like Google and the Republican Party did it like Apple. Really? The production value of the Republican convention is phenomenal. Oh, I mean, wow. Trump gets all kinds of criticism for being a TV president or a, a the, <laughs> right. you know, the, he, he knows how to engage an audience on television. Yeah. And he has signed up the right people to make this work for them. Okay. So I have to give the committee and anyone involved in putting that together, a lot of credit. Interesting. The, the first week, watching what the Democrats did, there were parts that were great, and it was interesting to see, now, how are they going to do this? What did they do? Oh, that's kind of cool. They did this remote roll call thing that I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. But there were so many painful pauses in <laughs> that whole thing. Right. You're like, what, what, what are we waiting for? Why isn't the next thing on yet? Right. So 
we're, we're all learning this. We're all trying to figure out how to how to do this well, how how not to do it well. But I, I have to give some props to the Republican National Committee for hmm. pulling off, I think, a better produced show. Um, and I'll let anyone who watches them decide what they think about the content and sure, um, you know, and and the uh, uh, the the show value themselves. But yeah. hey, no, that's that's really been interesting. interesting cause- yeah, because because the Democratic convention, I was like, yeah, this is this is fine. Like, it's not it's not the greatest thing ever, and and it's clearly just like a lot of it was just all right. We're gonna record this person in their living room and send it to the people organizing this, and <laughs> that's not awful, but it's not great. Right, it, it's fine. Like it, it does the job, but it's not great. It's, yeah, and that's okay. So yeah. yeah, now I'm really curious. I'm gonna yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to go check out. Some of the some of the you should watch some of it. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely watch some. All right, uh, I, Agents of Shield finale ended. It was good. It was satisfying. I definitely enjoyed it. I finished watching House of Cards finale. Of that was just wow, um, awful, just so bad. I the last season was hard for me to stick with. It was only eight episodes and I had a really hard time sticking with it. I know that they had to rethink things a little bit because they couldn't bring Frank back for anything, even though they had intended on him not being the focus of the last show or the last series, but it was rough. It was really rough. And yeah, cause there were issues with Kevin Spacey, right? Right. Yeah. He was amidst all these accusations for, um, you know, like being a sexual predator. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I'm sorry. Was that a surprise to anybody? But anyway, the, the, the result was unfortunate for the show. I just don't think it lived up. Unfortunately, I got back to watching man in the high castle. I'm only on season two of that. So there's four seasons of that. Now I didn't realize so much of that was out. I have a lot of catching up to do on that. As I mentioned, we started Doctor Who. We're now on season two of Doctor Who. In season two, they bring in David Tennant, which I personally believe is the best doctor of the modern age. And so I'm really looking forward to the next couple seasons as we continue to watch through that. Of course, I'm watching Big Brother All-Stars. I don't understand anybody's strategy for how they are <laughs> voting people out. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But okay, continuing to watch Archer season seven. I mentioned Lower Decks. This is the new Star Trek series. It is an animated series by the makers of Rick and Morty about life on the lower decks of an enterprise of a uh, um, a Federation starship. And it is good. It's entertaining. Lots of references. I I don't think it's the best Star Trek. I described it when I was talking offline with Ken Ray, who used to do a Star Trek podcast. I said, you know, I I look forward to this less than I miss the Orville. Like I really miss <laughs> the Orville. And they're kind of along those same veins, right? It's this it's this somewhat irreverent approach toward being on a starship. But uh, it's entertaining. I think it's worth a watch if you have CBS All Access. Actually, the first episode is free for everybody to watch. So it's it's 30 minutes, easy, quick watch. Is the humor like Rick and Morty? <laughs> it is somewhat similar. It is a little bit less potty and juvenile. Okay. <laughs> but But... 
there's, I mean, you can definitely see the influence there. Okay. I've been watching a bunch of stuff on YouTube, and one of the series that I've been watching literally for years is uh, something that I just finally wanted to give a mention, because it's interesting to me, and I think other people would probably find it interesting, too. There's this guy from Canada called Jake Williams, and uh, he runs a channel, and I guess now you could probably say he has a studio called Bright Sun Films. Basically, videos of him and his friends going into abandoned places and then telling the stories behind the businesses that have been abandoned. So, for example, he did an entire episode on Kodak and what happened to Kodak and how they changed over the years and and didn't keep up with times. And so that wasn't about going into a business. It was about how the business kind of broke apart broke apart. Uh, but he goes into amusement parks, he goes into old buildings, hotels, and then tells the history of the property. And it's, I find it really interesting. And it's not just a bunch of kids causing trouble with their cam. There's actually some reason for it. And then finally, I wanted to give such, such, such a strong recommendation for people to watch a movie that we watched this past weekend, Jojo Rabbit. You've probably heard of it. It has some odd trailers. It it's it, the trailers make it look very funny, and it is very funny. It is such such a good movie. Basically, about a kid who's in the Hitler Youth, and it, it's told as a comedy, and yet it's a really serious story. It is. Wonderful. I cannot recommend it enough. None of these sentences go together. I know. I know. <laughs> it is it is so hard to understand this film. It is just so good. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Gotta do it. I, I've never heard of it, so that's that's interesting. It hmm. was, I believe, last summer, maybe. Okay. Maybe winter. Might have been in the winter movie draft. Yeah. It was in the winter movie draft, so probably last last fall or winter. Okay. All right, cool. All right, that's it for me. We talked about the conventions. What else have you been watching or or doing in your entertainment center, I should say? Yeah, so uh, in terms of watching things, that's, that's pretty much it. I haven't been watching a whole lot of TV. Um, I Last time I said I was close to finishing up Wolves of the Kala, book five of the Dark Tower series from Stephen King, the audiobook, I did end up finishing that. Jen was so excited for me to be able to start the next book in the Throne of Glass series, and then I had to crush her heart. I mentioned earlier that I had been waiting since December to get an audiobook from the library. I got that right as I was finishing that Dark Tower series book. And I was like, sorry, Jen, right. I'm going to finish. I'm, I'm going to start and finish this other book first. Hey, at least it's only like six or seven hours. So that book is called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's a pretty popular book in terms of like uh, leadership and planning and business management type stuff. Um, it, I mean, it's been around forever. It's, it's, it's a good thought process, uh, but I'm like 60% of the way through the book. And I feel like 
it's pretty much just been the same message over and over and over again. Like it, it, there haven't been multiple things about what, how, and why you should start anything by starting with the why. Uh, and the first third of the book was just OMG, Apple does everything perfect. Steve Jobs is the greatest human being to walk the planet. <laughs> uh, so that got a little old. Because I think the book was written in like 08, 09, maybe 2010, like s- somewhere around that time frame. So it makes sense. But anyway, it, it's it's fine. Uh, on, on the gaming side, I've been playing a little bit of NHL, a little bit of Call of Duty, uh, not really a whole lot else there. And then just just for Tony, our friend Tony, who unfortunately isn't here tonight, he's he's frequently in in the live chat with us but i'm sure he'll be listening like as soon as this podcast is put out just for tony i'm actually going to do a a special segment here instead of what's going on in my entertainment center i'm going to do what's going on in jen's entertainment center because he keeps joking that uh, she's got better taste than i do so what what is she doing and and what i've said is guys you don't want to know because she like she never watches tv well, lately she's been watching a little bit of TV and she's been watching the show Shit's Creek. It's, uh, I believe it, it's a Canadian show. Um, I believe so. By the and, way, that's S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S. Right. So we don't no swear matter how it sounds, <laughs> right. we weren't swearing. No, there's no swearing. There's no explicit tag on, on this show. It's, it's the name of a town. It's the name of a town. Uh, and it's it's a comedy. It's on. I'm pretty sure she's watching it on Hulu. Uh, she loves it. Like, man, she'll be in, in the living room watching that while I'm playing Xbox or whatever. And she is just dying laughing. She loves this show. I go in and, and watch a little bit with her and it, it doesn't do it for me. But uh, she loves it and lots and lots and lots of other people love it. And I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu. I think that's where she's watching it. So This is on my to-do list. You should check it out, and then you can like talk about it on Instagram with Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what everybody wants to talk about on Instagram. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just proving that I also don't understand Instagram. So. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. Me. That's me. I, I I don't do comedies, and I don't understand Instagram. That's <laughs> that's living with me. So so anyway, that's. That's it for what's going on in my entertainment center and for what's going on in Jen's entertainment center. They happen to be the same entertainment centers physically, but yeah, uh, different uses. So there you go. Um, uh, a couple of quick announcements for you all. We did want to point out, we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago. This is a little bit of the, you know, watching the sausage get made. I don't know why I can't actually figure out what the the actual saying is for that, but um we, Richard and I kind of curate stories and, you know, what do we want to talk about throughout the week on what we, we might want to talk about on this podcast. And if you don't necessarily want to wait, or maybe you want to get a glimpse at some of the things we might be talking about in the upcoming episode, we use Flipboard. We're really big fans of Flipboard. And we have a Flipboard board called Consumer Entertainment News that you can follow because we just throw all of the stories that we're considering into that Flipboard. So most things that we end up talking about are in there. And then there's some extras that we decide, eh, maybe, maybe not actually talk about it on the podcast, but it's, it's an entertaining, uh, uh, flipboard board <laughs> to follow. Did they call it magazines? Is that right? Or or do they, they call do. them boards? 
I call them boards, but then you have the problem that you just encountered. Exactly. So uh, we'll we'll throw a link to that in the show notes if you are a Flipboard user for for getting your news. It'll it'll be another way to find this type of content uh, when you're waiting in between episodes of Entertainment 2.0. Yeah. And by the way, you don't even have to be a Flipboard user to see them. You can still browse the content in our Flipboard just by going to this URL. Right. That's true. And then I had mentioned previously that I was on in a few minutes this week. That is all week long. Each episode is a different topic. And we talked, as I mentioned, about the the epic, uh, the epic, epic fight. And uh, we also talked about Apple stock and other stuff that has been going on lately. So if you want to catch that, I'll have a link in the show notes to the first episode of the week. And then from there, you can get to the other ones. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to check that out. All right. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, Richard's on Instagram and, and the website's on Instagram. I, I'm not on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's at DigiMediaZone, D-I-G-I MediaZone. Richard and I are both on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, and at DigiMediaZone. We're on Facebook and all sorts of other places. All of the rest of that information is just in the show notes. So just go over to the digitalmediazone.com, find the links to Instagram, find the contact form so you can send us feedback. It's all there. The other thing that's there is Richard's other podcast. He does a show called Home On. If you're into home automation news, especially of the DIY variety, Richard is the man to get that information from, uh, and his show Home On is one of the best produced podcasts out there on the planet. So, Richard, what's, <laughs> what's going on with Home On? Now that I've set people's expectations right. so high, yeah, I, I don't know how I possibly meet that bar, but whatever. <laughs> so, I recorded last week with my friend Adam Justice. He's the CEO of ConnectSense, and of course, he's my co-host on my other other show, The Smart Home Show, which we do together. And so I'm editing that now and I'll get that out shortly. And then I'm also recording again tomorrow. So we're starting to get stuff on deck again and I hope to get these episodes out shortly. Cool. All right. Well, we also record the show live. We're using Twitch now. Uh, you don't have to figure all the Twitch stuff out, really. You can just go over to the digitalmediazone.com Click the live button. Uh, you can also just follow us on Twitter because we tweet when the show is going to be live. It's normally Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. But if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know for sure when it's actually going to, to be happening. So that's going to do it for episode 531. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.